Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. numbers i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is wednesday morning as i'm sending this podcast out to you guys on the denver stiffs podcast network uh got some things to cover real quick the nba draft is just 15 days away nba free agency is just 25 days away just over three and a half weeks both are happening within a month uh, it just feels like yesterday when the Nuggets were competing in the playoffs and competing in Game 7s, but the offseason is moving very quickly. Uh, the finals are still going on, but the offseason for the Nuggets continues to move. Denver just had their first draft workout, uh, worked out a variety of guys, including UNC star, Northern Colorado star Jordan Davis. Uh, apparently, he performed pretty well in his workout today. Uh, Tuesday, excuse me. Um, but I don't expect the Nuggets to draft any of those guys. If anything, they're probably going to be summer league invites for Denver. None of those guys are projected to be in the top 60 picks for ESPN's mock draft. So that does, doesn't sound like intel that the Nuggets are really trying to capitalize on. Nothing that they can really, nothing that anybody can really deduce or trade-wise, because Denver doesn't really have a draft pick. So, going to be interesting to see. Denver Stiffs will be doing some draft coverage this year. Not the same as when the Nuggets normally have draft picks, but I know that I especially will be doing some abbreviated coverage just in case Denver does trade back into the NBA draft. It could be in the first round, the second round. Want to keep it a little bit general, just kind of identify players that I like, that I think that Denver would really fit well with. Uh, We'll be doing that over the next couple of weeks on Denver Stiffs. Um, In terms of other content, I've been doing player reviews on each rotation member. Monte Morris just went up on the site, so make sure to read those. I think they're coming out pretty well. I found a a pretty good formula to, to... outlay the information on what each guy has done this year and what they need to work on, where they currently stand with the Nuggets. So if you're interested in more coverage, definitely read up on that. Okay, the two main things that I want to get to today, uh, wanted to provide a general ranking of the Denver Nuggets roster in how, how likely they are to stay on the roster for the entire going into the 2019-2020 season, so next year. Uh, Nikola Jokic is a guy who's going to be there pretty much guaranteed, but how likely are the other guys? I want to get into that. Uh, Also wanted to answer some Twitter questions on various factors in the offseason, just have some very general, basic questions that I think need to be answered, Can, can provide some survey thoughts here, 
want to get into them more in depth with some guests that I have lined up over the course of the next couple of weeks. So we'll see where that goes to, and I'm, I'm excited to see how this develops. So without further ado, how safe are the Nuggets this summer? All right. Ranking Nuggets players based on how safe they are this summer, how likely they are to be back on the roster in 2019-2020. I have different categories. The first category is untouchables, and these players are 100% likely to be back. And I initially only had Nikola Jokic in this category just because he's the star, the franchise piece. Uh, doesn't seem very likely that he would go anywhere and doesn't seem likely that Denver would have any reason to send him anywhere. So it's going to be interesting to see whether Jamal Murray, who I also have in the untouchable category, is also with him. Uh, There are thoughts and there are definitely people out there that would consider trading Jamal Murray for a legitimate star that's currently in their prime. Names that have come up are Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, uh, other potential pieces that are under contract. Uh, If Giannis Antetokounmpo demanded a trade, then I think Denver would be wise to throw in everybody but the kitchen sink and Nikola Jokic. So Jamal Murray, I doubt that he is, he may not be truly untouchable, but I think the Nuggets are going to do everything that they can to put him in that category. He won't be a guy that Denver wants to trade. They really want to build the Nikola Jokic-Jamal Murray two-man game for the next 10-plus years. The next category is you have to blow me away with an offer, and this is the guys who are 95 to 99% likely to be back. Uh, No reason for the Nuggets to trade them away unless there's a great deal out there that it's like it's too good to pass up. Number three, I have Gary Harris. Number four, I have Michael Porter Jr. And number five, I have Monte Morris. Uh, Number three, Gary Harris. I think he's the next piece of that untouchable core. It's really always been Jokic, Murray, and Harris in terms of the three guys that Denver wants to keep around long term. Michael Porter Jr. is somebody who I think Denver just wants to hang on to just to make sure that he's not a legitimate superstar. If he he comes back healthy and it turns out he's really great really fast, then Denver would feel very stupid if they ended up trading him uh, before they got to actually see him on the floor. Monte Morris is a guy who I just did a profile on him. It's not because he's uh, super amazing, he really is, but it's it's more because of his contract. He has the, one of the best contracts in the NBA over the course of 2019-2020 and then 2020-2021. So the next two years, he's making about $1.6 during each season, which is absurd uh, for what he provides, for what he does and means to the Denver Nuggets backup unit. Uh, when Nikola Jokic leaves the floor, Monte Morris is the captain of the second unit. It's It's been that way for the last 82 games of the regular season, and, and while he struggled in the playoffs, I think that that's more of a, I call it a, a reflection of nerves, of the game changing, and uh, Morris just not fully adjusting. 
I think once he shoots, if he shoots better, I think he will eventually shoot better in, in future postseasons. But once he does, his value becomes a lot more valuable uh, as somebody who can help uh, stabilize Denver's offense um, in the mold of a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's currently doing the same thing on Toronto. Um, the Toronto Raptors aren't in the NBA Finals without Fred Van Vliet. He totally changed Game 5 and Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals for them. Uh, after his child was born after Game 4, during Game 5 and Game 6, he just made a bazillion three-pointers and then performed really well in Game 1 of the NBA Finals and, and did a great job against Stephen Curry, hit his own three-point shots. Uh, game 2 is a little bit more of a struggle, but he's still a guy that they count on. So with Monte Morris... I definitely think that he's a guy that the Nuggets believe that they can count on down the line, not necessarily to be a starter, but definitely to be a rotation piece and somebody that stabilizes the unit and at least helps Denver with their continuity from their starters to their bench. The next category is the we definitely like you, but we may have to move you to get better category. Uh, this is what I would call their 60% likely to come back or all the way up to 95% likely. Uh, it's the category where the Nuggets, if they have to make a trade, if they have to include pieces or get rid of pieces in order to free up salary, um, then this is the category that it's it's tough, but the Nuggets just have to part with these guys in order to get better. Uh at number six, I have Paul Millsap. At number seven, I have Malik Beasley. And number eight, I have Jared Vanderbilt. All, all three of those guys, I think Denver Nuggets fans really like and would prefer that they were would stay. But when you think about it, Paul Millsap with his $30 million team option, if the Nuggets were to, for example, recruit a guy like Kawhi Leonard, or Kevin Durant, or Jimmy Butler, or or guys along that line, they need to free up money in some way, shape, or form, and the easiest way to do so is to decline Millsap's team option. And maybe that prevents them from bringing him back at all. So it would be an upgrade if they got one of those guys, and unfortunately Millsap would be a casualty of that. I still expect Millsap to be back. I still accept. I, I expect them to decline the option and re-sign him for a lesser deal, but it's it's a possibility for sure that he may not be back. He may choose to go somewhere else. It's it's well within his rights if the Nuggets decline his option. With regard to Malik Beasley, right now he's behind Murray and Harris on the depth chart, and at points he's behind Will Barton. Uh, depending on what uh, head coach Michael Malone wants for a given situation. Uh, and at times he's behind Monte Morris, who can handle the ball and can handle the pressure sometimes. Uh, Malik Beasley isn't always like that. And while I think Malik Beasley could be very, very good, a lot of other teams think Beasley could be very, very good down the line as well and would desire him in a trade for the where the Nuggets get better. Uh, you might have to include Malik Beasley in a package that includes a Mason Plumley or a Will Barton or whatever in order to get a starting caliber player at a different position. Um, that's just kind of the name of the game. And, and unfortunately, you can't pay everybody. And 
Malik Beasley's coming into a contract year now, and I'm sure he wants to be paid and he wants to start because starters get paid more than bench players. Um, he's going to want to show off and show what his skills, what his skills look like. And it's very possible that he doesn't want to be a backup anymore. Uh, same thing with Monte Morris, by the way, like he, both of those guys showed that they were very competent and, and at times were the better backcourt duo than Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. So it will be interesting to see how the Nuggets handle that. I think the Malik Beasley will be back, uh, because I assume that the Nuggets aren't going to change everything right now. But it's very possible. They may not. They they may feel the need to trade him in order to bring somebody in that's a better defender. Uh, or somebody that's a veteran as instead. So, But it'll be interesting. Uh, finally, Jared Vanderbilt in that category. That is clearly the case of, hey, this team needs a sweetener in a trade package. Uh who do you want to throw in? Well, you don't want to throw in Malik Beasley. You don't want to throw in Monte Morris. You really don't want to throw in Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., guys like that. But the other team says, okay, we'll take Jared Vanderbilt. And you kind of, you have to if that's one of the the requirements of doing the deal. <clears throat> it's not the best situation. I think the Nuggets fans like Paul Millsap, like Malik Beasley, they would love to see Jared Vanderbilt back in the Nuggets uniform. But if the Nuggets are ready to compete now and they can find an opportunity to get a player who's helpful right now for them, they may feel the need to trade Jared Vanderbilt in order to secure that player. It's just a fact of the business. I love Jared Vanderbilt, though. I think that he never played any minutes with Nikola Jokic, and I would love to see those two play together at some point before saying, now nah, we, we could go away from you. The next category of guys is the we'll, we will be sad to see you go, but it might still happen category. <coughs> that is about 50-50. I have the range of 40% likely to stay to 60% likely they stay. Uh, at the top of that list is Will Barton, number nine. Uh, a lot of people would consider Barton to be lower on this list and think that it's more likely for him to go, but given that he's locked into a salary that's that's pretty large and that other teams probably aren't going to be as willing to take on, I think it's more likely that he's back than other players. For example, Tory Craig or Wancho Hernan Gomez, I have them at 10 and 11 below Will Barton respectively, because not necessarily because the Nuggets prefer to keep Will Barton in this scenario, but because it's way easier to trade Wancho Hernan Gomez or it's way easier to trade Tory Craig just because they have smaller cap numbers and can be included for salary purposes and are probably players that other teams would prefer to have on their roster, especially if they're in a tight cap situation like Denver is. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that it's Probably 50-50 that all of these guys are back. Will Barton at 9, Torrey Craig at 10, Wancho Hernan Gomez at 11. I have Mason Plumley at 12. Uh, the fact of the matter is he's an expiring contract and a backup center. And a lot of the times during the offseason and during the regular season, uh, players that are on expiring contracts that can help match salary are traded. Uh, it's just kind of a fact of the business. And while the Nuggets haven't been trading those guys as often, 
Uh, Tim Connolly in the past has shown a propensity to trade players away that are on one-year deals. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, Wilson Chandler, Darrell Arthur, uh, in the past, Aaron Aflalo, uh, guys that are veterans that aren't necessarily in the long-term plans, he'll either try and get value for, or he will clear that salary in order to get value somewhere else, or free up playing time for someone else. Right below Mason Plumley, I have Thomas Welsh at 13. Uh, it's He's on a two-way contract, but if the Nuggets desire another guy on a two-way contract or they, they identify different players that they think are very valuable, then those guys could be interesting. And, and if Denver is looking for another center that's a little bit more mobile than Thomas Welsh, then maybe they sacrifice Thomas Welsh in order to do that. Um, it's very possible. I like Thomas Welsh. I don't know if he's ever going to be a rotation player in the NBA. If the Nuggets identify a guy that they think could be a rotation player, then you may have to cut the cord there. Finally, in the lowest category, the you're probably not coming back, we wish you the best category. This is 0% to 40% likelihood that guys will be back. Um... I have Brandon Goodwin at the top of this category at 14. He's been on the roster for a long time, hasn't really been able to see the floor because the Nuggets have so many guards. Uh, He may very well be back if the Nuggets decide to bring him back, but Denver needs a third point guard that they trust, and they didn't trust Brandon Goodwin this year. Um, Another guy is Trey Lyles at 15. Uh, things didn't work out with Trey Lyles this year. It was, it was difficult to see. He never really got his footing and, and never really found his shot. He shot very poorly this year from the three-point line, and that's one of the biggest things that with him that where he provides value. He wasn't great as a one-on-one scorer, and when he's a one-on-one scorer, that kind of breaks down the offensive flow. Uh one of the most common sets that Denver ran at the beginning of the year involved a Monte Morris, uh, Trey Lyles pick and pop, where Lyles would pop to the three-point line on either wing, and it, it didn't work out because Lyles shot about 25% on those looks. So, can't really have that if you're a, uh, if you're a spacing forward. I think Denver would like to find another guy who they think could shoot that more efficiently. Um and Lyles is a free agent. He's probably looking for more money than the Nuggets are willing to offer at this point. Next is Isaiah Thomas at 16 out of 17. Uh, Tough year for Isaiah Thomas. Spent a lot of the time recovering from surgery, and when he finally was ready, he he clearly wasn't ready. Uh, Couldn't really get a lot of the same lift and explosion that he had in his previous years. Uh, It's just not looking good for Isaiah Thomas right now. He was a great mentor for Denver, great guy to have in the locker room, and was key in Denver moving as far as they did. Unfortunately, I don't think that Denver's going to bring him back for that specific price uh, that they would have to pay for a guy that they don't really expect to play or want to play. So you want to be able to pay guys that you want to play on your roster. And I just don't think that Isaiah Thomas is that guy. Like I said, Denver needs a third point guard that they can trust just in case Jamal Murray or, or Monte Morris go down with injury. Uh, both of those guys have been very steady, but 
if either of those guys went down, I think Denver would struggle a lot. So need to find another guy. If it's not Isaiah Thomas, then it's probably somebody else on the free agent market and you're not bringing Thomas back anyway. Last guy is Tyler Lydon, number 17 out of 17. Uh, not much to say about Tyler Lydon. That was a, a bust opportunity for in the draft. They, Denver obviously traded down and, and traded the rights to Donovan Mitchell uh, for the rights to Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles in that draft. That obviously didn't work out for Denver. They wouldn't have drafted Donovan Mitchell anyway. Probably would have been OG Ananobi, but I think Denver Nuggets fans would feel a lot better if OG Ananobi was on the roster as somebody who was a thick 6'8 forward who could switch. Uh, Lydon just hasn't been able to see the floor. Um, Clearly hasn't had the trust of Michael Malone. And again, you need guys that Michael Malone can trust to throw out there. And that just wasn't the case with Lydon for the last two years. The Nuggets declined his third-year option, so it's definitely looking like uh, like he won't be back. All right, take a quick break, and when I come back, we'll get to some Twitter questions. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, doing a solo pod today. Uh, wanted to get in some Twitter questions, just kind of bouncing around, seeing some what people are asking. Wanted to know what the general pulse of the uh, of what people were requesting was, and it's clearly very draft related and free agency related right now. So, wanted to answer some questions after having gone through kind of the safety rankings for each of the Nuggets players on their on the roster. Uh, first question comes from at Chef M Baldwin. Patrick Beverly a fit for the Denver Nuggets. So Patrick Beverly was the starting point guard, or or could technically be shooting guard for the Los Angeles Clippers this past year. He was great in his role as kind of a an on slash off ball guard who played defense against the best opposing guard, uh, spotted up. Uh, did a lot of the kind of supplementary stuff and was a good court leader for the Los Angeles Clippers, especially a team that had a lot of youth in their lineup. He was a mentor to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Landry Shamit, Ivisa uh, Zubac was traded there. They've got another guy in Jerome Robinson, who's very young at shooting guard, who didn't really see the floor. But all of those guys looked up to Patrick Beverly on that team, and it looks like uh, Beverly probably isn't going to stay there, but it's very possible that he could. Um, he'll be a hot commodity on the free agency market just because he fills a very solid role for most teams as a starting point guard who doesn't need the ball all the time. Um, teams that I think would fit really well with him are the Chicago Bulls, who currently start Chris Dunn. He would kind of be the uh, the off-ball guard to Zach Levine there. Uh, another place he would fit is Phoenix as the starting point guard next to Devin Booker, or in Dallas as the starting point guard next to Luka Doncic. Um, in terms of a good Nuggets fit, it kind of depends on the rest of the guards. 
if Murray, Harris, Morris, Beasley, and Barton are are all in tow, then no, I don't think it. I don't think it works very well. I think <coughs> if you're getting Patrick Beverly, you're getting him to play 20 minutes per game or more of solid uh, backcourt defense and trying to help out the Nuggets guys by freeing up their offensive load and deploying him against the opposing team's best guard. Uh, but the Nuggets already kind of have that guy in their roster in Torrey Craig, and unless the Nuggets may wanted to make a consolidation trade in their backcourt, then I don't really think Patrick Beverly fits. I think he'd probably want to start wherever he goes, and I don't see a great avenue for him to start in Denver unless Denver trades both Murray and Harris or Murray and Beasley or, or something like that. Hypothetically, if they went to go get Anthony Davis, then maybe you tra- maybe you sign Patrick Beverly with the MLE at that point. But that's only because you you traded away a whole bunch of your your pieces. So we'll see. Um, next question comes from C Toma twenty four. Uh, who are some wings that the Nuggets should target in the draft if they trade for a pick? Now, again, I'll be digging into more draft coverage next week after I finish the player reviews for Denver. Uh, but the guys that stand out right now in the mid to late first round are Cam Johnson from UNC. He's a tall six foot nine wing who can absolutely light the net on fire. Uh, he shot 45% from three this year at UNC in one of the toughest conferences to play in college basketball. Uh, shot a ton of threes, made a ton of threes. His free throw percentage is high, which is an, an indicator that that shot is going to translate. He could be the best shooter in the draft, and you can never have enough shooting. So if the Nuggets decided that they wanted to move Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez in a separate deal, maybe that deal is to get a tall six foot nine wing out of UNC and Cam Johnson. Uh, another guy is Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. Uh, not to be confused with Cam Johnson, this is Keldon Johnson. He is six foot six. He shot thirty eight percent from three. More of a versatile player than Cam Johnson. More of a more of a switchable defender. He's younger. He's more of a project, but he has good size. He's kind of in that um, that PJ Tucker mold almost, just a little bit small, a little bit taller, a little bit thinner, uh, but somebody who you could project to be a very switchable player would be able to hopefully switch onto shooting guards and onto power forwards, but he would be a small forward potential defender. Uh, another guy is Matisse Thibel uh, of Washington. He was the best defender in the Pac-12 for two years in a row. He won the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He averaged 3.5 steals per game this year, uh, which is unbelievable, regardless of what level you're at. 3.5 steals is just insane. So when you have a guy who can hound opposing ball players, get into passing lanes like that, uh for a team like Denver who kind of struggles with their perimeter defense, that's pretty um that's pretty appealing. Uh, but he's a very large project offensively. So I doubt that Denver goes that route, but if they did, there's um there's something to be there if they're looking for a potential all defensive type player who doesn't necessarily execute well on offense. Maybe Nikola Jokic can cover for him there. 
terms of second rounders, uh, a guy, Talon Horton Tucker, uh, is kind of a shorter wing, but he's built like a fire hydrant. Uh, he, unlike Keldon Johnson, is definitely in the P.J. Tucker mold, but he has a little bit more creativity. He's still raw offensively, but he's from Iowa State, and Monte Morris went to Iowa State, so that would be an interesting connection for sure. And then last guy I have is Chuma Ukeke. He had a better year than Keldon Johnson in the SEC um, and was very efficient on both ends. He's a guy that box plus minus has ranked very high. He was efficient offensively. He got a lot of steals, blocks, and rebounds defensively for his position. So interesting player. Uh, we'll have to watch more film on him to see whether I think it's really translatable. But uh, we'll see. Those five guys, Cam Johnson, Keldon Johnson, Matisse Tybel, Talon Horton Tucker, and Chuma Ukeke are who I would consider. Next question comes from bballer120. Will we come out of free agency with a small forward defender? If we don't, what does this say about our front office? Uh, I'll answer the second question first. I don't think it says a ton about the front office, uh, just because there aren't a lot of great options out there. There's no, like, there's no perfect option. Uh, A lot of the guys that Denver would want are star players, guys like... Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler. If those guys say no to Denver, then uh, I don't think it says a lot about the front office because the front office went out and, and basically preached to those guys that you should want to come here. Uh, it's Denver. We've got a young, developing core of con- and are ready for contention. We just need a we just need a star free agent, and you could be that star. Uh, so Denver can, and the front office is already like thrown out that message. So it would be great for them to close the deal. But if they don't close the deal, I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary, uh, just because Denver has always had trouble recruiting top free agents. This is not a new problem. Um, hopefully Nikola Jokic is a different kind of player and can help recruit some of these guys just because he's a, a guy that can be a consistent passer and, and take some of the attention off of these small forwards. But I don't know. We will see what how that plays out and whether it plays out in the way that you think it might. Um, in terms of will we come out of the free agency with a small forward defender, I'm going to go ahead and predict no, because like I said, the stars may not consider them, but the role players there, I don't know if you can consider them all like like great small forward defenders. Danny Green is a guy that I have pegged for Denver, but he's a little bit too small. He's six foot six, but a slender six foot six. Not like Tory Craig, who's a little bit thicker. Uh, Trevor Ariza is a little bit older. Marcus Morris is more offensively minded, and he plays good isolation defense and post defense, but off ball defense isn't really his thing. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Damari Carroll and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist are more power forward defenders as opposed to small forward defenders, but uh, they could be guys. Uh, Daniel House or Iman Shumpert are probably more shooting guard defenders, kind of like Danny Green, but but they could be small forward guys. Uh, there are players out there. There are guys, but adding one kind of crowds the current rotation uh, it would involve probably moving one of Will Barton or Tory Craig uh, because 
Denver, I'm sure, wants to play Michael Porter Jr., and and they probably want to play at least one of Will Barton or Torrey Craig. So whoever you sign would be competing with all three of those guys for minutes, and it's a tough ask because <coughs> you don't want to play Michael Porter Jr. exclusively a power forward. I think some of his big... Uh, some of his big effective uh, parts of his game will come as a small forward who will tower over the guys who can guard him. Um, but Will Barton, it's hard to move that contract, as I previously talked about. Torrey Craig is a guy who, are any of those guys like that much better at defending small forwards than Torrey Craig is? I'm not really sure. Um, it's It could just be a thing where Denver decides we kind of like what we have and we're just going to stick with it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. All right. Last question here. The best free agents that we could get with the MLE. That's from Jaron XYZ. Uh, the top five guys that I think would take the MLE this year that would also consider Denver under certain circumstances are in order. Danny Green, who I already mentioned, he's been my guy for... Uh, a while now, I think that what he does offensively, uh, he doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective, but he spaces the floor extremely effectively, and he also defends better than anybody but possibly Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, and Paul Millsap on Denver's current roster. Uh, adding good defenders is not a bad thing, and Denver should be all about that if they can. Second guy is Nikola Miritich. Right now, he's a backup or maybe temporary starter with the Milwaukee Bucks, but the Bucks have a a standard lineup that features Giannis at the four and Chris Middleton at the three, so if they bring back all of their guys, I don't think they'll bring back Nikola Miritich. In terms of where Miritich could go to start other than Denver, there aren't a ton of places. I think that Denver would be a great fit if they if Denver also decides to move away from Paul Millsap. Hell, even if they decide to keep Paul Millsap, they could bring in Nikola Miritich and use him as a sixth man off the bench as a as a bench forward and then play him a bunch of minutes next to either Jokic or Millsap and in various lineups. Uh, third guy is Alfaruk Aminu, and kind of the same thing, either as a replacement for Millsap if things go awry, or uh, as a backup. Um, he's a good defender. He's I, I think Nuggets fans would agree that his defense is very helpful, and while it's really important for him to shoot well, I think the Nuggets would be able to cre- create good looks for him consistently, better than the better than the Blazers could just because of the way that Denver runs their offense. Uh, Four is Patrick Beverly. I think he would take the MLE. I think that Denver would have to make a big trade in order to make it worthwhile for them to actually sign him to the MLE. Um, I don't think that's very likely, but it's a possibility. He's definitely one of the better players on the open market that would sign for that amount. Uh, If he wanted to win a championship, he's going to do that. He's more likely to do that in Denver than he is in Chicago or Dallas or Phoenix or places like that that aren't ready. So if he prefers to start, then he should probably go to those places and earn more money. If he wants to win a championship, then he could either go sign with the Golden State Warriors or he could try and sign with the Nuggets. 
I think that would be a good plan. Um, last guy is Trevor Ariza, uh, kind of in the same vein as Danny Green, but just a little bit taller. He's much more of a uh, off-ball guy, can defend a lot of small forwards, but he's older. He's definitely not a long-term solution. He's a guy that Denver would probably use as a stopgap for the next year or two until hopefully Michael Porter Jr. were ready or Denver found another solution. Um, Ariza's a good player, though. He's a good veteran. He's somebody who's been in a lot of different situations. He's been on a lot of championship-caliber teams. So he would be a great add for Denver if they're looking for more championship experience and a guy who knows how to perform at the highest level. Uh, he played next to Kobe Bryant. He played next to James Harden. He's played next to a lot of great players. And Nikola Jokic, he could hopefully teach a little bit. And Jamal Murray, he could hopefully teach a little bit. So I think that would be an interesting player to add, and he would be definitely a short-term player. Um, but it would be interesting. So that's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, not much left to go over here. Keep sending in Twitter questions. Keep attaching questions to the end of this mailbag. Uh, would love to hear from you guys, see what you're thinking on the draft, on free agency, whether you agree with the list of players that I have for the how safe players are in the ranking on the Nuggets roster. Uh, but things are going to move pretty fast. I'll probably do another podcast uh, either right before the draft or a couple of days before. Um, usually I go every other Wednesday, but might move it up a little bit just so that we have some uh, definite time for that. Uh, and when the Nuggets do free agency, I'll definitely do an extra po- couple of podcasts for that too, especially if they make moves because things could change or they could stay the same. And either way, it's pretty notable for Denver. So whatever the case may be, thank you for listening to the Nuggets Numbers podcast on the Denver Sips Podcast Network. I will see you guys next week. <laughs>